Good evening. Uh, my name's Owen, and um, if I haven't met you before, hopefully I'll meet you later on. I'm uh, grateful to be a member of this congregation, part of the ENC family with my, uh, my wife and uh, Kath and my three girls. Um, I'm going to be following on from John's talk um, last week on Elisha. I'm pretty nervous. I've not done one of these before. I'm used to kind of teaching eight and nine-year-olds, and I'm really comfortable with that, but um, not talking to lots of adults like this, so... Uh, hopefully, um, I am excited though. I am excited for what I feel God has spoken to me about for us. Um, and hopefully I'll be able to convey that to you. Um, we're going to be diving into some theology this evening, uh, which is a good thing. Um, but a bit of physiology, um, a bit of science, and a little bit of what, about my own experiences too. Um, now part of my makeup, I love to learn. Um, I'm really curious about the world, and particularly people. Um, uh, I love finding out what makes people tick. Um, and I'm going to be asking quite a few big questions today. Um, some of them are going to go up on the board as well. Um, my talk is split into two parts. Three, maybe. Two parts. Uh, but I hope that as I teach, um, you'll learn a little more of what God is like and how he sees you. Um, I know it's good to understand um, the context of the passages that we read, that Jack read, and it was so beautifully illustrated in that video. It's good to know context, um, and we are going to do that in part two. We'll look at Eli the Elisha story in part two of my talk. Um, but what I would like to kind of explore is the context of right now. So we're sat in this building, half past seven, there are people around you, maybe people in front of you or behind you, next to you. And if I could see thoughts, there will be literally thousands floating around this room right now. Our nervous systems are interacting with each other without us even speaking about it. And I believe our souls are intermingling as well. So we are having an affect on each other without even talking or without even uh, acting on it. You still with me? Yeah? Cool. So my first question is this. We'll have this up on the slide, if that's all right. What do you think God is doing right now? Have a little think. The theologian um, N.T. Wright, sometimes his stuff's pretty heavy, but this, this, is, this is brilliant. He answers this question. He is working out his plan. What is God doing right now? He's working out his plan. Now, I read this about eight or nine months ago, and it really struck me, and I don't know why it struck me. It seemed really simple. What is God doing right now? He's working out his plan. So it seems really simple, but as an idea, it's planting and watering, and in turn fruit-bearing in our lives can have amazing consequences and change the way we think, change the way we behave, and the way we see ourselves and everyone else around us. So if it's true that God right now is working out his plan, it's happening in this building, can you feel it? Maybe not. 
That's okay. Um, God is working at his plan in a myriad of different ways. It's not just out there, kind of happening um, in other exciting places or in other more special people. It's everywhere, including in you and me and the people connected with us. So I'm currently retraining as a counsellor. I've gone back to college and I'm learning, I'm loving it. Um, But it's really opened my eyes to the fact that God has designed us as human beings for communication, for interaction and for connection. And it's going on all the time, like I've just been talking about. It's like we're little Wi-Fi hotspots, every single one of us. We're, We're receiving information and we're giving off information without even moving, without even talking. It's going on the whole time. So a little example of this, I was trying to think of some ones that wouldn't scare you too much, but if you imagine the last time you got into a lift by yourself, you're in the lift, someone comes into the lift. Now, you might not show it on your face, but your, your nervous system is going to be doing a, quite a lot of different things. Your heart rate might go up. Who is this person? If they, you know, don't know what, you're trying to check them out. Are they safe? Your palms might go a bit sweaty. You might go a bit tense. They haven't done anything. They've just literally just walked into this metal box that you're stuck in together but maybe you can kind of associate that kind of sense of oh hang on why am I feeling like this this person has had an affect on me we are affecting each other the whole time you'll get where I'm going in a minute hopefully it's going on at the moment um, but we're not in quite as heightened a state as we would be if we were going up in a lift with a strange person Um, in Ephesians 4 verse 1 it says God is Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. Now, if I change that word all to everything, God is Father of all, who is over everything, and through everything, and in everything. If we take that literally, it will change the way we see the world, it changes the way we see each other. He is in everything that's going on. It's a mind-boggling concept. Uh, The word we use is omnipresent. And that means that God is as much fully God here, in this place. He cannot be any less than he is over here, or in our cars, or in our workplace, as we're walking down Sidwell Street. He cannot be any less God. Again, that's a bit of a, when you start thinking about it, it is mind-boggling. But sometimes it's like, well, if that's true, it doesn't feel like it sometimes. It doesn't seem like that's true. So while our feelings are really important and they do tell us some important things, they don't determine whether something is ultimately true or not. God is even greater than the reality of the one that we experience here on earth. We don't see him fully, and I loved Sam's testimony just now, because we'll come on to that in a sec. Um, We don't see him fully because God is spirit, and we can't physically see him. Also, our sinful nature gets in the way. We don't want to see him as we pursue the things of the world. And finally, it's his mercy If he's the beautiful center of all existence, 
how could we possibly look at him with human eyes? Now, Sam mentioned the fact that she saw Jesus, and there are actually examples, loads of examples in the Bible. Um, uh, the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, uh, Jeremiah had these visions that they were taken up into heaven. Um, John and Paul in the New Testament saw Jesus and described these incredible scenes in heaven. So somehow God enabled them to not kind of be smashed to smithereens as they see God. And Sam's example, and there are lots of other modern-day examples of where people have seen God. God's done something that's made them <laughs> not implode or explode. As well, as we learn to connect with God through prayer and practicing his presence, we begin to have this sense of him with us and around us all the time. As our minds are renewed, we also come to understand that as God fills us, we carry him with us wherever we go, like our prayers that John mentioned. He tells us that he will never leave us or forsake us. So there's a bit of a bugbear of mine as a, as a prayer that people pray, or I used to pray, oh God, please be with me in my workplace. Please be with me in my exam. And it's like, you don't need to pray that because God is always with us. He never leaves us. So if this is true, these things that I'm kind of talking about, how we see and understand God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit is really important. If we think of our Heavenly Father as a distant, cold, angry God, understanding that idea that he's close all the time would feel really suffocating, probably feel quite ashamed and oppressive. But if we understand God to be a good, loving and all-wise being who carefully created us, and who has our best interests at the center of his thoughts about us, then how amazing to be surrounded by him the whole time. Like sometimes when we pray, I've felt this before, you just kind of have this picture in your head, you shut your eyes and like God is like up there, really far away, and actually he's right there all the time, wanting to be close with us. Do I still have you? Are you still with me? Great. So, what does his plan look like? So I am fallible, weak, linguistically weak human being who cannot attempt to answer this question fully. But I have got a glimpse of a part of what it looks like. Um, for that, I'm going to need an analogy. Um, my words are not going to be good enough. We need an experience. So. On your pews is a little white envelope. If you are by the white envelope, could you pick it up, please? And if you carefully open it, if you're... Oh, I don't know if there's anyone up there. Anyway. So if you could open the envelope, and I would, I would like you to take a pinch of sand and put it in the palm of your hand, please, and then pass it along so everyone's got some. If you're watching at home um, on YouTube, uh, maybe you want to pause the video and go grab some salt granules instead. Got some sand? Everyone got some? 
Uh, when you get your pinch, can you start to count the grains of sand, please? Have a go. How many can you count? Can we have the picture of the sand up on the, on the board, please? How many do you reckon? Shout out. How many do you think you've got in your hand with that one pinch? 500? A few more? 1,000? 71? <laughs> Just to get, put a little bit of context, this is quite big sand. They're quite big granules. Um, in a teaspoon, you'd get 40,000. So maybe reframe your estimate. What was that, sorry? <laughs> nice. Half a teaspoon. So I reckon, depending on how, how much of a pinch you took, you've probably got about two or 3,000 granules of sand in your hand. Um, another bit of context. If you had a, a single layer of sand, a foot square, you're talking about a million grains of sand. It's a foot square. So you've got some good sort of imagery in your head. Now feel those granules uh, between your fingers. Here's like a close-up. Every single one of them is different. This is from the Caribbean on the left. So ours, our sand's not going to look like that, sadly. But maybe a little bit more like this on the right. Depends on which feature you're in. Now I'm going to dive into Psalm 139. And while I'm reading it, Feel those granules, or those grains in your hand. If you want to, don't feel you have to. Oh, ace. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. How vast is the sum of them. They would outnumber the grains of sand. How vast is the sum of them? Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. So I'm going to take this psalm analogy and run with them. Help us understand a little bit more of the complexity and scale of God's plan. You are going to have a chance to put the sand back in a second, so don't worry if it's starting to kind of bug you. Um, as you feel those grains of sand in your hand, I would like you to imagine that each individual grain, and they are all individual, no one is the same, it's a beautiful thought that God, the creator of the universe, has about you. So keep feeling them between your fingers. His ideas, his considerations, his anticipations about you and me, about every single one of us. Each thought is unique as a single grain of sand. It is utterly incomprehensible, but hopefully this little experience is going to stick with you. If, if you don't remember anything from my talk, you will remember that, oh yeah, it was the guy with the bit of sand in my hand and in the middle of a sermon. Oh, and it's something about Psalm 139 and God has lots of thoughts about me. That's amazing. That's the minimum you take away from that. That would be awesome. But next time you go to the beach, you pop down to Exmouth. How many grains of sand on that beach? How many grains of sand in the entire world? And God's thoughts are more numerous than all of them. 
think of Psalm 139, it will change your beach experience for life. But what an amazing thing. So in relation to God working out his plan all the time, if we've got a little sense of the thoughts he's just having about you, we have a sense of the thoughts he is having about how he's making his plan work. The sheer amount of crafted, unique and loving thoughts he's having about us right now. And these are not just thoughts, these are thoughts with actions. But these actions don't control us. They take into account our choices as well. And our free will. It's mind-blowing. And he still will accomplish his plan. Do I still have you? You with me? Great. I felt for some of you in this room, you really need to hear this word. When we feel God is silent, he's working at his plan. When we're going through hard times, through the Holy Spirit, he's working at his plan. When we feel confused, discouraged, or lonely, or in need of comfort, he's working at his plan. And not in a cold, distant way, but intimately, in us and through us. So, what I'd like you to do, we're going to move into part two with your... My palms are really sweaty, so the sandwich has stuck, so I'm glad I didn't have any. But if you want to pass the envelope back on, and uh, in my true teachery kind of style, I'd like us also to stand up, if that's okay. So while you're passing the envelope along, I'd like you to stand up. We're going to have a little brain break. You've been sat listening to me for 15 minutes. So if you want to have a little stretch, have a little chat. Don't chat too much. Do whatever you need to do, move around, move your legs, give it a little bit of shake. Great, that's enough. Come and sit down. So, um, God is working out his plan right now in us, through us, and in the Holy Spirit. Our choices matter, and his wonderful thoughts about us are more numerous than the grains of sand on all the beaches of the whole world. Now, before I move on to the passage, um, my next big question, which I haven't got a slide for, is what happens when the plan we think we've made with God isn't working as we thought or hoped? Where is God in that? God has a plan. We think we're following his plan. And then something causes a change of direction. I'm just going to share a little bit about what's gone on with me the last 10 months. So for 22 years, I was a primary school teacher. Um, Before Christmas, um, I was considering maybe even looking at becoming a deputy or applying for deputy headships as the next step. And then I got COVID pretty badly. And there was a bit of a miracle healing there too, but I won't go into that now. Um, And as a result, I also developed long COVID. And from uh, January to April, I was kind of either in bed or I might be able to go for a walk around the park and I would be totally zonked, a really bad brain fog. It would have been dangerous for me to go back into school. I would not have been a safe teacher or a well one either. Um, 
And this was a really frustrating and unnerving time for Kath and I. And we were asking the question, God, what is your plan? Going on with my teaching, that was what I thought was the right thing. Um, it doesn't feel like that, though. And as the weeks went by, and I realized, oh, yeah, this is, long COVID is nasty. And you get to a point where you just kind of think, oh, will I ever, will I ever be able to go back to what I was doing before? And I was thinking about that really seriously. Will, will I be ever well enough to go back to teaching before my sick pay runs out, particularly? I've got a mortgage. I've got bills. I've got all these things and, and then no income. So we had lots of uh, questions and not much certainty. But what I did have was space and time um, more than I'd ever had. Um, there's a verse in Psalms uh, which God has really kind of brought to me and, and Kef, and it, it's this, he brought me out into a spacious place because he delighted in me. And while it didn't feel like a very nice spacious place because I was ill, um, it was still space, and I spent that time praying and journaling, digging into God, listening to podcasts and talks, talking to people, asking for help, asking people for, to pray for me, offering to pray for other people when I could. And slowly that question changed. So if I, if, if I can't go back to teaching, what, what next? What am I going to do? And from then on, things started to change. I kept pressing into God. And do you know what? Um, it feels like God is often really slow to speak, doesn't it? But I'm here to tell you, he's never late. He's always on time. Uh, lots happened, and I, I slowly got a bit better, but by, by April I still wasn't great. Um, and still the COVID was up and down, and my tiredness was up and down, and then I broke my hip. Uh, which gave me even more space and time because I was sat still now uh, and pain. Um, but I did, I had to leave my career in teaching. I left a school um, that I love working in. Um, an, and I am a testimony right now of how God uh, has led me into something I had never expected. So like I mentioned earlier, I'm retraining to be a counsellor. Um, I've gone back to school. I am loving it. And I'm also working for a charity, Devon Youth Services Charity, called Space. So he did bring me out into a spacious place. I love puns, and that just kind of makes me smile every time I go into work. Also, it's quite cool saying I'm off to space now, but hasn't, has it hasn't, gone, hasn't got, um, got old yet. So God is working out his plan. The passage that um, was read to us and acted to us, hopefully you can see the link. The widow, if we, if we imagine what she was like before her husband had died, he was in a band of prophets, one of 50, um, who would have been under Elisha. So he would have had quite a lot of kudos in where they lived, her husband was kind of this this guy. He was re he revered the Lord, um, and he dies, and we don't know how. Doesn't say, but his wife is now a widow. Um, she's in loads of debt, and she comes to Elisha pleading for help. 
pretty serious. My debtor is going to take my two boys and make them slaves to pay off the debt my husband left with me, which actually was legal in those days, um, but was being abused. And in this case, it was being abused. It, it was, you had to kind of work off your debt, but to take children to do it was not on. So what does Elisha do? He asks her, how can I help you? He's got that compassionate connection. And what she says is, well, I've got nothing except for a little bit of oil. So he asks her to go and gather all her empty jars and those of her neighbors too. Not just asking for a few. Then go inside and fill each, putting it to one side and shut the door. So let's just pause a minute, kind of picture the scene just at the point where he's asked her to do that. What's she thinking? Why did her husband die, leaving her alone? He was doing good things. Why did she have this debt? Did her husband leave her in this debt? Is she angry with him? What was going to happen to her children? How can this be part of God's plan for her? Now, these are really big emotional, painful questions which I'm not going to try and answer with any of the needed sensitivity um, right now. But God does hear her cry and responds but, and still requires something of her. A little bit of oil. Go and talk to your neighbours. Gather all your jars. And this is, I was thinking like, oh, how would I have reacted? And I think my, my reaction would have been, first of all, yeah, great. I can gather all my jars. I can pour my oil. Let's see what happens. Um, I'll shut the door. Yeah, get that. Ask my neighbors. Ooh, not quite so comfortable with that. Um, I don't really want to bother people. I don't want to ask for help. I'm quite independent as, a, uh, as the eldest child of three um, I think that's part of what I'm like. Um, and I realize as well that sometimes pride stops me from asking for help. It's masked in this idea of, like, oh, I don't want to bother anyone. I don't want to bother anyone. But really what the root of it is, is I don't want to ask for help. Um, but what happens to those neighbors? It doesn't say in the passage. But imagine the chat afterwards when Elisha's gone. All the jars are filled up with oil. They, knew, they would have known that the widow was in a really desperate state. And yet, you can imagine them coming in right to the hut or house or whatever she, she lives in and, oh, no way, there's my jar, it's full of oil. They get to share in the miracle because the widow had overcome her pride. And I think that might be a word for one or two of us today. It is a word for me because I've been <laughs> thinking about it for a couple of weeks. Like, is pride getting in the way of me asking for help? Because the outworking of that is when you ask for help, you invite people into the miracle that could be. So is pride stopping you from doing something or taking a step? Or maybe you, you may be doubting that you've heard God in the first place. 
I'd really encourage you to kind of vocalize. If you feel like God said something or planted in something in you and you haven't told someone about it, about where you, he may want you to be or do or say, it could be a really small thing. Say it to someone. Get them to pray with you. And finally, for some of you here today, you may feel that you have little to give, like the widow. Or maybe it's not worth very much. Can I just encourage you, like God, um, like Elisha asked her to do, is pour out what you do have. Know that God really delights in it. And use what little you think you have. And know that God is working out his plan all the time. And what God has given you, no matter how small you think it is, he will multiply it and use it in amazing ways. Could be the seed of an idea, some money to give, a talent you've only just discovered you've got, or something else that just feels really fragile. Offer it to him. Don't hold back. We do have a choice, though. This is the kind of sobering bit about this whole message. God will continue to work out his plan and bring it to its fitting end, whether we participate or not. We always have a choice. He doesn't need us. But he definitely and desperately wants us.